You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 504, the epilogue of Daft Punk, the nightmare of lending records, and can aging pop stars write hit songs? That's all coming up after Manson, and I can only disappoint you. Travel from Dublin. Thinking it was about two or three years ago since Manson split up, I thought I'd check for the sake of accuracy, and it's 18 years. Wow. Um, it feels like yesterday when this was in the chart, but in fact, mm. from the year 2000, number Gosh. eight in the UK, Manson, and I can only disappoint you. 
I well, firstly, you never ever could, Sir Terence. <laughs> Can I just point that out? It's my turn to be the smarmy person this yeah. week. Also, um, I can't believe that that record is twenty is twenty one years old. Right, it feels right. it sounds very fresh, like you say. And also, I, you say that Manson have split up. I don't know if they have or they haven't. If they've resurrected themselves, but their singer Paul Draper is very active on social media with um, anniversary editions of of various mm. albums. So I'm not sure if that's the case. There was a similar issue with Gene having reunited except unfortunately the singer hadn't thought to tell the rest of the band that they were reunited um, which is a very unfortunate looking back on it so um, so I think there are some Britpop bands who've kept it together and others that, that haven't so well I think but yeah I'm, I, I think Manson are very underrated I must admit and that is such a that's the sort of song that always it's such a great riff it often turns up on match of the day Mm, things like mm. that sort of you know in the background you know sort of a if you want to if you want sort of uplifting backing music in the background that 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 often gets until they were usurped by elbow and take that that used to pop up quite a lot of the time i think <laughs> i think they are a little bit uh forgotten about but they had such mm. a parade of hits from they did 1996 to 2001 14 top 40 singles in the uk which so, surprises mm. me i i wouldn't have uh, you know i was a fan and i wouldn't have put them down yeah. as having had that many but there were a lot of bands around that time like cast and space mm. who aren't necessarily and cooler shake who aren't necessarily yes. thought of was big big Britpop big hitters but they had quite a lot of hits yeah, considering that you know they were sort of you'd say b b minus c plus in terms of the mm. the Britpop kind of ecosystem Absolutely. And also welcome along mm. to the Paris Council. It's episode 504. I'm Terence Dackham. And look, I know there's one huge question we all want answered. Who paid for your curtains, Juliet Harris? <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me if I was H. That's the other that's the <laughs> other big issue that people keep bringing up with me this week, having an H in my name. Um, I paid for my curtains from Dunnell Mill. There you go. That sorts out the... Uh, it wasn't even John Lewis, although bless people that live in the world where they think that John Lewis is to be frowned upon, whereas, you know, 98% of my social circle thinks it's posh. So, um, so sure that's a conservative it. donor didn't pay for them first and then you reimburse them. I well, just want to be sure. Just want clarity ha- on this. Although having said this, it's quite possible that a conservative owner probably owns Dunham Mill, don't they? But a conservative donor. But yes, no, they, they set off my Argos sofa in this room very nicely. So I hope that proves that <laughs> I, am, I am not a woman of expensive taste. Hello, everyone. Now, there there are some people who just have the knack, and actually more than that. that the people Sharona, have, she had the knack, didn't she? <laughs> hey, um, the, they, they've got this unique skill to turn a good track into a great work mm. by inspired production or mixing techniques. Yes. And, of course, a generation or two back, George Martin, later Tony Visconti, Brian Eno, Trevor Horn, Rick Rubin. But if we put production and mixing together in the modern era, we can't look further than Guy Manuel de Homen Cristo and Thomas mm. Bangalter. Uh, far, better, yeah, far better recognise this Daft Punk of course and for the best part of 25 years they've been creating hit albums and singles for themselves but also and possibly their greatest achievement a consistent sprinkling of magic mm. as producers and remixes for others now very recently they announced that the duo's partnership has ended and Jules after an amazing run of success that's your lot with your Daft Punk I know, and that is a pity, isn't it, really? Although, to be honest, such a powerhouse, like you say, you know, that they've got so many talents, not least in their celebrated live shows. They've actually re- produced a couple of live albums, which I wasn't familiar with until recently. A friend of mine introduced me to to this the the second of their live albums. They're both helpfully called Alive. One's called Alive. 1997 and one's called Alive 2007 this is the 2007 one and uh, this friend of mine had been to see this live show I think they were supporting LCD sound system what a bill that is somewhere it might have been in in the north of England somewhere with friends and actually informed me that it was the last time that they were going to use illicit substances because they felt that the combination of that and this amazing live show wasn't something that they could ever ever top so they they retired from that game Uh, what I felt was still a too youthful age but anyway i uh, yes i obviously frown upon that kind of that kind of activity but um, it was it was it was uh, he so so this person said you know listen to this you know i think we, we can listen to it together you'll really like it 
And I was just blown away by it. I really, really wish that I'd seen that show. He, he, he said that they had um, they had light up leather jackets with Daft Punk in lights on the back that they came on in, and it was just this incredible combination of, like you say, mixing so that their hits moved in different forms, and and just and it's it's an endless kind of mix. There is brilliantly a, a, an encore which has got loads of them in one, which you can only get on YouTube. It's not on the release shockingly i'm not sure if it's ever been released on vinyl they've never done a tour dvd of this you'd think that they Mm. would have done a video of it it's never been done probably never will be now i would think but um but i i i'm sorry that they've stopped but i would really recommend that people listen to alive 2007 because it is an incredible i mean it's such a rush of an album i really felt like i was there listening to it and you can't say that about many live albums i think despite what they try to achieve See, I really want to I want to understand this because as the song on Pet Sounds says, I just wasn't made for these times. Mm. So I won't pretend that Daft Punk's entire canon of work is always on my playlist because no, fair enough. so much of it is dance oriented and needs to be heard in that environment. Maybe, yes. I don't know, after midnight and very loud. And you know, yes. I'm not to be found that's in not, circumstances. Yeah, I can certainly tell when masters of their craft at work and so many artists from the Chemical Brothers, mm. Gabrielle through to Kanye and The Weeknd, mm. they've all had their careers boosted by dark yes. punk. So I don't know if it's a fair question, but what have these two got that they bring uh, to these artists and, and to themselves individually, as you say, mm. the, the Alive 2007, which I did watch. I watched the, there was a crowdsourced uh, oh, yes, video was of it there. that right, I watched yeah. this week. Um, you know, what, what, what is their magic if you can... Maybe you can't uh, now, now, put, now you put this, it in a pocket, but no, this know. is the question, isn't it? This really is. Um, mm. This is. There is. I mean, they have an incredible sense of style. They've worked out about having missed. They they got. A, I think they get the right combination between us knowing who they are, knowing that they are. You know, they are the two of them. But also the the helmets that they perform in are incredibly mm. cool. I think, and they've got a real kind of you know we know who they are, but they're just sort of characters. Mm. And I think if you can okay. try and achieve like with craft work and their dummies, yes. I think if you can find a, I don't want to say gimmick, but if you can find a mm. twist on making yourself, because actually they are and the Chemical Brothers work that out. For my view. Although they've done several sets at Glastonbury, the best set that they did at Glastonbury and possibly the best ever set at Glastonbury. I know that's a huge call, but I mm. I watched it. It was I watched it the, the replay this year. It was 2019. And it was their their set um, sort of marking No Geography, their excellent album from 2019, which is one of the records of the decade, I think, belatedly for me. And they worked out by that point that two blokes in glasses and t-shirts pushing buttons, even if the music is euphoric, is there isn't is quite exactly enough there. So yes. they managed. So the Chemical Brothers had an incredible light, like an amazing light and video show that I think a lot of money have been spent on designing and i think daft punk have worked out live that you do need light up jackets you do need helmets you do need but i mean their music is i think really euphoric but like you say the element that they bring to um I mean, Get Lucky, for example. I mean, it did get to a point. It was everywhere to the mm. point where I remember I remember Tracy Thorne tweeting when someone danced to it on Strictly Come Dancing about six months after it had come out. I'm at that stage where I could happily never hear Get Lucky mm-hmm. ever again because it was just everywhere. But there's there's something about them that they seem to have a very good sense of judgment. So for example look at that pharrell williams on that record mm. you think oh this is brilliant then pharrell williams was daft enough to get involved in the vile blurred lines with yeah. robin thick and you think mm, i don't think daft punk would have done that i think they would have been mm. sensible enough to have sensed the danger in that and i don't mean the uh the, the marvin gay court case which for what it's worth i think they were very unlucky to get sued for that i didn't think it, they were that similar but the, you know the revolting lyrics in, oh, you yes, know, yeah but but so there's there's something about daft punk where their their remixes like you say that they just seem to be able to i mean me and my friend whenever we listen to it we records in each other's company we always sort of try and draw each other's attention to what we say is the good bit so oh yeah that snare's really good or, oh yeah that that's a really good bass line mm-hmm. or oh, i love the piano on that bit and daft punk when they remix they seem to find a way of picking out the best bits in a record yet adding their own sort of spin onto it if i hear a daft punk remix of something i can usually tell it's daft punk 
which right. is really strange. And I don't know how that is. Like you say, oh, well, I guess they're French, so you could say they have a certain je ne sais quoi. But um, yeah. I'm, I just I just can't, I don't know what it is, but they just seem to have this incredible brand in their sound and a, an amazing sense of judgment. They very rarely get it wrong, I think. I, and, and But I think, like you say, because they are a dance band, whilst they have made several albums, there, there are a couple of which are excellent. Homework is brilliant, as is Discovery. But there are a couple which you think, oh, they're fine. You know, they've got they've got some good singles and a bit of filler. But live seems to be where they perform best because they just seem to find this way of, or to, to 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 quote our old friend that pops up on our podcast occasionally, they are able to spark joy. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know how they managed to Marie Kondo the dance music world. Yet here we are, Daft Punk, just a, a juggernaut. And I'm sorry that they won't be crushing happy music fans into submission anymore it'd be interesting to see what they do as individuals see if their their, their um, skills are, are just well, as si- sitting on their sitting on their big pile of money i think uh, possibly so. given how many records they've sold and i don't begrudge them any of it can i just point out coming next lending and borrowing albums singles tape cds books i'm already tense that's right after radiohead
Now that Radiohead track, and obviously regular listeners not shocked to know that I've picked a Radiohead track, we talked about them previously, um, it, that had a very interesting genesis. Well, firstly, it's a B-side, mm-hmm. um, and it came from Amnesiac, which was sort of part of an unofficial duo of albums, in that the long-awaited Kid A that followed up OK Computer, the Amnesiac uh, songs largely came from the same the same thing that the same sessions so mm. so they're very much companion records you would say cartooth had a legendary status in the uh in in the radiohead canyon in that between okay computers coming out in 1997 and and kid a being released there was this very strange thing on the radiohead website the official radiohead website where ed o'brien the uh, very affable uh, sort of second guitarist from radiohead behind johnny greenwood who i think we've played one of his tracks before previously on this on this show he's a very amiable chap weirdly wrote a diary of the recording sessions on on the website and i say weirdly it was not going well and and it was very obvious from his diary as cheery as ed o'brien always is (laughs) that it was not going very well and Every day he would talk about this song called Cartooth that they were trying to do and it didn't quite work. And did the, were they going to change the drums and someone else was going to do the guitar part? And like every, literally, virtually every day. So it ended up, they ended up spending something like 375 days trying to record it. And it was a B-side for the uh, for the album after Kid A. So so I, I I think it shows the quality of Radiohead that this is excellent. I think that this would be a a centerpiece of many albums. I think many other bands' albums. But it just makes me laugh that they spent you know every Radiohead fan around that era virtually had a tattoo with Cutooth on it because they went on about it so much. And then it ended up as a B-side. Well, I really, I really like that. It's mm. a sort of whimsical, psychedelic quality to mm. it, and uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And it does make me laugh that you always say, "What's the big deal about Radiohead?" And yeah. every time I recommend one of their tracks, you go, "Oh, I really I, like I really this." Like it. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. I've got over that rather silly. Um, well, I you know, don't think it's it was Radiohead, silly. It I can't think... be any good. Well, it was well, all based, that... as you know, a lot of it was based on that that watching them at Glastonbury that time. Yeah. And I just didn't get it. But no, yeah, that's... fair enough. No, I understand. And next week, I presume you'll be picking a Daft Punk track. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah um one one thing i haven't uh got over and it's over 50 years ago i was, I was the, gonna say this I, it, you not getting over something i know shocked to hear of it Terrence, the anguish of this is just too much really there was a girl who lived on our road about four houses mm. away she was about my age 11 or 12 mm. and she used to come to my house to listen to my records and one day she asked if she could borrow some of my singles and I was a bit reluctant, but I'm, I'm a yes, generous okay. sort of person, sort of generous sort of child. I gave her about half a dozen singles and she promised to bring them back in a few oh, days. No. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, weeks went by and eventually I found out her family were moving. And so I found her and I said, well, I, you know, I must have those singles back. Mm. And they were returned, uh, not in the best condition, it has to be said, but mm. one was missing and I can <gasps> still... I can still picture it now. The black sleeves with the word word uh, capital written in big white type. Oh, the black label with good vibrations and the <gasps> Beach Boys written on it. Oh. We went on the beach side. I never saw it again. And it still hurts to this day. And this girl's sorry. family moved and she and Good Vibrations were gone forever. So Jules, never, ever lend or borrow records, tapes or CDs. I, uh, yes, I am an occasional lender of things. And actually, oh. me, I lend with friends. And actually, me and my friends have things for a very long time, but we always try and give them back. So uh, so, so it is a dangerous business. Well, wasn't it... A, I can never remember things of the of the Bible or Shakespeare, so apologies if I've attributed this wrong. What is what is uh, never a borrower nor a lender be? Is that is that is that Merchant of Venice or is that I the think Bible? It's, it's... The great bard William Shakespeare. I know. I never know. And there is there's something equal in the Bible that my dad always quotes mid rant about various things that have happened in the news about making money out of money and how it always ends badly. So so. But yeah, it's it's it is a tricky one, isn't it? It's it's you know. I suppose the ultimate thing is never give away something that you really never let something that you really value out of your sight, even if it even if it if you it is you know the best person you've ever met because it is. Yes. 
incredibly strange. So having said this, when I had a relationship breakdown and there were original first presses of Patti Smith albums that were at my house for cleaning at the time, I did give them back. So that just goes oh. to show that even a woman scorned can still <laughs> give back first presses of Patti Smith albums. And actually, you could apply to mm. never lend your first editions, never lend your signed copies, never lend anything to people because... If, you know, accidents happen, like they sometimes do, my, yeah, I knew someone that borrowed someone's uh, book of something once that was quite highly sought after and dropped it in the bath. I mean, you oh, could argue that they no, should not no, have had no. it in the bath originally. Or, you know, sometimes things get spilled if people have got kids. And, you know, it's totally understandable. But it just adds tension to relationships that don't need tension particularly at the moment i think because oh, we live in very tense times having said this my friends have got my alfred hitchcock box set of dvds and i've got their dvd box set of borgen so so you know we, we know that it's uh oh we know that it's there we know but i yes like you say i think that there is there is a great deal of stress underlying this because you know you'll never think of that girl fondly you'll never think of her and her family as you know you'll never you'll never look back and remember the fond times you had together listening to your records you remember good vibrations which is ironically titled given the circumstances in which we find ourselves in i I mean the the denouement to this good vibration story so severe has been my angst this week when i've really thought about what happened i've been on ebay and i've bought a used copy of the original 1966 release mm. um i'm sending a, a photo of it to you now so you oh, can yes. see it it's so snazzy this technology isn't it i mean oh, i wow. don't it arrived this morning and oh, i don't lovely. care what condition it's in as i won't be playing it i just felt in my heart you need to have it <laughs> i just had to own a copy of it to help heal my stress oh, and, and, so and I mean, I cannot believe it's taken you. You've been an adult and you've had the internet for a very long time, so I can't believe that it's taken you so long to. I uh, I was just thinking about it this week. It mm, really, it really affected me. The nerve, yeah. On eBay, there was all different editions of it with picture sleeves and everything, but I didn't want that. I wanted the exact. You wanted the one you had. The one I had, yeah. Absolutely, it's it's it is. There is something that's quite um. That is quite alarming, isn't there, about it? Um, there's a there's a lovely piece on the penguin.co.uk website where there are two writers, Alice Vincent and Stephen Carlick, are having an an, an, an email conversation over whether or not um, whether or not you should lend things. And Alice says, "Hey Stephen, how's it going? Nice to catch up on Zoom the other day. I know it seems daft that I don't have a copy, but after abandoning great expectations halfway through my degree course a decade ago, I seem to be without one. After our animated conversation about Pipetal, I wondered if I might be able to borrow your copy. Um, and this chap says, speaking of very nice, so is my copy of Great Expectations. It's a beauty, a lovely cloth-bound classic and all. It's not that I don't trust you to take um, great care of it, but I've made it something of a practice not to lend books to people, even Good friends. Man. Too many times I've lent out one of my beloved books, only for them to come back looking like Mrs. Havisham's dress, if they come back yes. at all. Books are beautiful things. Alice says... Um, uh, says uh, I know what you mean about lending but this is such a great phrase to borrow a half quote from Peep Show books can be like lending someone less than a fiver you can't really ask for it back <laughs> it's, mm. it's true isn't it and actually I lent God this is a rant that I'm going to have to go on now mm. I I am sure I would swear on anything you like that I lent a friend of mine who I won't name however tempting mm. uh, this is about a decade ago I lent him and I swear I did my copy of How to Be a Woman by Caitlin Moran Right. And which was a book I liked very much, mm. and I lent it to him, and I asked it for him back. And not only has he not given it back, he said, and I quote, "I haven't got that." And I went, "But I'm pretty sure I did lend it to you." And he went, "No, because I'm really good at giving back books to people mm. that I borrow from, mm. so therefore I can't have it." In the end, I bought. I, I, sorry, Catelyn, but I bought it from a charity shop. In the end, I happened to find it somewhere and thought, well, I'm never going to get that back, so I might as well buy another copy. Mm. But he's got my original copy of that. Also, whilst we're on these 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 mm. cautionary tales, 
never 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 be generous with people you love terence uh i had a, a girlfriend about 11 or 12 years ago now who i loved very much and yes i you know it did not end well shall we just say oh. to be diplomatic but anyway i um she she liked me she liked music that, that you know i introduced her to and so i decided that i would give her i don't know what possessed me my cd of the great eastern by the delgados i've since replaced it and i've got a record and everything but what i shouldn't have done it was so it was my copy that i had as a teenager that i used mm. to play on my college radio station so it had a little sticker in the top right hand corner that said jh and every time oh. i pull something out of my my cds that has got jh on it it reminds me of that time and i'm always sad terence mm. although it's lovely to have it on vinyl my college radio copy i, I mean i feel less sad totally if i wasn't understand. i wasn't i feel less sad if i wasn't sure that it was probably sitting in a skip somewhere i suspect yeah. i doubt she still has it i mean she she doesn't listen to this but if if if, you know if you are listening person who knows where they are Mm, i will pay you for my i'll pay i'll pay you for it back it was daft me to get but then you know i was 25 and who makes good decisions when they're 25 i mean the the caitlin moran thing i never ever lend books to people i can't bear the thought with all of my ocd and fixations of somebody being disrespectful to books i i could never belong to a library i couldn't read a book without imagining the horrors that book's gone through (laughs) i mean as always i think that i think you're being a little extreme but i do i do see the point you're making i have to wear gloves to read a library book true i can't get over the fact that someone said well i definitely haven't got this because i'm really good at returning books to people people and it's like that is just the most nonsensical thing i've ever heard and as always i'm grateful to the listeners and to you for taking on my rants and for me not paying you for your time because it still irks me to this day do you know there was a story in the news this week sort of linked to this really sort of libraries in a way it was a woman um mm-hmm. in oklahoma was arrested uh, this week because she failed to return a vhs tape of sabrina the teenage witch <laughs> That she borrowed from a movie rental store in 1999. <laughs> oh, and it's a f- felony embezzlement, and a, there was a warrant out for her since. I mean, March that is 2000. excessive. I think that is a bit ridiculous. What happened was she went to get her driving license renewed, and the warrant came up <laughs> on the officials, uh, and the, the police were called and everything. She had to go down the police station and sort it all out. Um, that is that is ridiculous. I charges were dropped, excessive. but the, it was still the warrant had still been outstanding. So yeah. yeah. I said, has anybody has anybody still got a VHS player? This does feel like it's been overtaken by events. It does a bit, doesn't it? That is a cracker, though. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, don't borrow or lend books or records or anything. It's a lesson for life there. Or VHS, particularly. Don't don't borrow VHS because then you end up in prison. Coming right up, why can't older songwriters and musicians write hit songs? That's next after Liz Fair. Is something wrong? You take my hand. I play
I really like Liz Fair. We we talked last week about women mm. artists who are really singular and don't take any nonsense, like Kate Bush, Bat for Lashes, PJ Harvey. Mm. And I think Liz Fair fits into that column very mm. well. This is a track from her upcoming album, Soberish, Liz Fair and Spanish Doors. Mm, I very much like that. And I agree with you. Liz Fair is a terrific artist. I'm a big fan of her. I mean, she she made a rather ill-advised misstep a little while ago. In Oh, I say a little while ago. For me, a little while ago is like 15, 16 years ago. But she, um, she like you say, had a reputation for being a very uncompromising artist she'd made some very near the knuckle records that were also completely excellent but she had a very strange moment she's um her first album was exile in guyville which was is been ranked by rolling stone as, as one of its 500 greatest of all time she had a second album called whip smart which was superb and a white chocolate space egg which was also pretty good and pretty successful and weirdly she decided to mark the 10th year anniversary of releasing records by recording an album called Liz Fair, um, which was released on Capitol, and it was pop rock. It was really weird, and there was a really glossy picture of her on the cover, and the, almost she looked almost sort of um, Lohan-esque. It was really odd, and I remember reading a, a, a review of her at the time in a magazine that basically said, what is she doing? I just, I, I would never understand why she, it was released on Capitol. I never understand how she let herself get get talked into that she did do a second down for them and then i think woke up and left in 2005 but yes that that's a that's a there's a topic in there i think weird uh, it wasn't even a weird uncommercial album to feed into the topic we're going to talk about it was unexpectedly commercial that was what was so odd about it yeah, it's, it, it is curious. Actually, it's a very interesting interview with Liz Fair in The mm. New Yorker in last week's mm. edition, which uh, covers the making of the new album and other aspects mm. of her life. But one part of the interview I found really quite fascinating is mm. when she's asked about making a record now in her 50s, as opposed to being 25 when her first album was released mm. that you just mentioned. Um, and Liz talks about a condition with which I, I've got much empathy mm. in that um, as she gets older, she finds less and less seems certain when you try and mm. take a viewpoint, fewer things seem good or bad, uh, yes or no, up or down, whatever. And she says that she's being aged out of rock because she feels gentler <laughs> and less shouty about life. And of course you don't have to be angry to write hit songs, even calm ones, but mm. do you think the hit songwriting muse leaves you when you reach 50 years of age, Jules. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? And we, I know we, we had we had a bit of a discussion around this, or not dissimilar, and we talked about the McCartney 3 album, didn't we? And whether or not, you know, people, you know, do people still have it? Should people tell you when you haven't got it anymore? I did, weirdly, there's a parallel to this with Snooker, I think. And that it is the World Snooker Championships at the moment, which, as I call it, the most wonderful time of the year. It's not Christmas. It's the World Snooker Championships. Right. Sorry not to be able to attend this year. But um, but there, Stephen Hendry has recently tried to uh, make something of a comeback, I, I suspect, for financial reasons. Yeah. And um, I don't know. That's just my speculation. Mm. And um, and he um, didn't qualify for the no. World Championships. And he just said you just lose that as you get older you just lose that bit of your reflexes you just lose its energy it's it's a whole package of mm. things that you just lose and john higgins is one of the oldest players left on the tour and he's been doing very well this year but in a previous year he was doing brilliantly and he had he he won a match a sort of a later round match on the very last kind of frame and squeezed every drop out of himself and then just couldn't recover and there is something about when you hit a certain age where you just can't quite do what you did anymore and it's not even just a case of physical fitness because snooker is about physical fitness but it isn't as well it's about mm. concentration it's about a lot of things and I wonder if there's a parallel here that there is I don't know if it's nervous energy I don't know if it's kind of tension I don't know what it is maybe it's fighting against not knowing who you are maybe it's the struggle to find your place in the world you give off a lot of energy when you're younger and maybe as you become a bit more comfortable and you're older maybe that that fight that fire in your belly just sort of goes i don't know there's 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 something about it isn't there that 
is it that people i mean is it that people can't write write the hits is it norma desmond's syndrome is it not that 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 she you know that she isn't big anymore it's just that the pictures are too small is it is it that people continue to make really great records it's just that the 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 time moves on and people move on and attention spans move on the corals have been producing records liverpool band the coral probably best remembered by people from the noughties for they had a few really big hit singles which you would know um even if you didn't necessarily know it was them they had in the morning and dreaming of you which is the one that goes doom do doom do doom do doom and everyone would probably know that song through having heard it on various things so they had a handful of singles that were huge and and they've continued the, the albums that they've released i think have been really success really sort of successful in being consistently good yet they don't sell as well as they used to and the records never stopped being good in my view you could argue that maybe they didn't you know they didn't develop their sound but their, their records have all been really good it's just that fashion moves on doesn't it and even if you're not trying to be a fashionable band when guitar music is kind of popular in the mainstream as it was in the 90s and the noughties, it is much easier for you to get a hearing, I think, and and, and for your music to be played because it sounds like other music. And maybe maybe it's the case that either general taste moves on or people, I suppose people grow up. Maybe it's the thing. I, I, you know, I, I do buy records, but I don't follow pop music and buy albums of bands as religiously I did in, in, in my teens and in my 20s, when, you know, if you're a fan of a band, you'll always look out for their next album and you'll always buy it. Lots of the Corals fans who were like me in, in the early 2000s who were buying all their records have got children, mortgages, careers, <laughs> elderly parents they need to care for, mm. teenagers they can't control, you know, living in a pandemic, you know, all these things that you're trying to deal with. Maybe in some, maybe there is a case that, you know, that, that there is too much comfort, but maybe, maybe, people's older people's records do continue to be good it's just that time's moved on or maybe they've failed maybe maybe they're making good records but they were good by the sound of 15 years ago i don't know i certainly think there's something to this aging thing when it comes to loud rocky mm. songs making a social point i mean it's surely one of yes. the reasons oh man some of the convers- some of the re- some of the stinky stuff we've had to review over <laughs> the last few weeks yeah. One of the reasons I think punk rock fizzled out so quickly because, you know, you can't be angry all the time. You'll have heart failure. And the the, the clash, the jam, uh, let's think the damn the bus clocks mm. or, or their individual members all change direction in different ways very quickly. Yeah. And it's a it's a long way, but a short span of time from complete control to Joe Strummer covering Redemption Song or Paul mm. Weller from, let's think, In the City to English Rose. But to your to your main point um, about are they still making good mm. good records? We just don't either hear them or appreciate them. I I, I don't agree because I think it's interesting to consider mm. um, how the the muse, the inspiration, it seems to evaporate so quickly for our older pop stars. Because if you think about Jagger and Richards, uh, Paul McCartney, Ray Davis, Pete Townsend, mm. they haven't written a hit record for decades, and it's also rather curious that when or if a heritage act and one you mentioned paul mccartney mm. releases anything remotely listenable we tend to patronize rather <laughs> and express our amazement yes that yeah I and, so. and then i suspect maybe we buy the record and never play it we might call mm. it the mccartney three syndrome yes i, I mean i, mean, I don't that, know if it's all what... a reflection on the lack of inspiration or a life of comfort removes removes the will to create. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, or, or or maybe you know removes judgment as to what's good and what isn't. And and you know maybe there's partly Madonna syndrome. Madonna at Eurovision, which if there's any justice in the world, should be a career-ending performance from a couple of years ago. And the fact that you reach a certain level of success where you lose your own judgment and you also lose the will to listen to people telling you that things are a bad idea and you lose you lose the will to have those people around you. Maybe there's an element of that as well. Maybe when you're... Although, to be fair to Liz... To be, I said to be fair to Liz Fair. That's very catchy, isn't it? But um, to be fair, I don't think that is... I think she's more making a point. So it's interesting what she says about it in that in that she... She seems to be. It's interesting. I don't think it's it's people around her particularly. She just, I, I don't know. She she just seems to be sort of struggling to find. Just weirdly, it seems to me like she's kind of struggling to find a a place. I think really, it's mm. it's it's just very. Um, it seems like the world kind of moves on without you. Maybe to some extent. Um, 
you know, perhaps it's being busy with domestic things. I don't know. Yes. I mean, she has a son that she has to care mm. for that has um, so, some issues. But having yes. said that, she is so much more successful in the United States than oh, over yes, here in the UK. Oh, yes, over there, absolutely. And so she lives um, a very nice life on um, at a property at Manhattan Beach, mm. just south of Los Angeles. So, it, you know, again, it could be again that business of uh, the, the life of comfort removing that need to actually make something really telling don't know yeah um, it's strange isn't it there's, there's also my favorite the quote absolutely because my liz fair comes across very well in this interview i mm. think she comes across as, as, as kind of you know a good natured person and they have a problem i think this is so great so the person the way that it is transcribed uh, the person asks the question i think this has been incredibly disorienting for them um they're talking about kids and students when we all log on my sense is we're generally eager to talk to one another and to be in a classroom even a virtual one Zoom cuts out. To which the uh, the, the question is, so the interview says, auspicious timing. Sorry about that. I changed locations. Maybe the Wi-Fi will be better now. She said, uh, the old switcher of the rooms. I know that one. And then she says, uh, and the, the person says, thank you for your patience. I'll admit that it somehow feels like a personal failing when the Zoom cuts out. To which this replies, I'm right with you. I made Andy Richter sit there for 15 minutes while me and my son were bitching at each other, completely failing to connect. And then in the end, we didn't even get the audio. So, so I'm quite, uh, quite, I'm glad to know that. Successful singer-songwriters like Liz Fair suffer the same. You're on mute. Can you yes. hear me? Oh, I think she's frozen. Um, issues, uh, th- first-world issues. I stress that lots of us are, are, are trying to suffer from at the moment. But yeah, it's it's very strange, isn't it? It's very uh, m- maybe yeah maybe as well. You, I, I mean, in terms of energy. It's it, Ed Sheeran often, as I think, has been quoted as saying that he often writes ten to fifteen songs a day and then Good just God. just ditches them. And I think Gary Barlow has said before. Someone said to Gary Barlow once, for every song that you release, how many are there that you've kind of written there and thought, oh no, that doesn't really work out? And he said something like twenty-five to thirty in terms of sort of for every for sort of hit rate. So there are some people that are just exceptionally creative. But then that was some years ago. I wonder if Ed Sheeran will still mm-hmm. be doing that in twenty-five years' time. Again, I think we could put a bet on it. We'll have to come back in 20 years. I was going to say. I suspect I mean, not. I mean, I, I'm, I haven't got any future commitments. So no. if you want to do this in 25 years' time, I'm up for it. <laughs> yes, we'll be back in 2046 to resolve. Yes, that's, absolutely. Uh, that yes, I, hope, I hope that all of our listeners are not still having to listen on their commutes by then. That they can listen in a slightly, slightly better circumstances. But yeah, it's a date. Well, thanks very much for listening this week. Lovely to have you along. I echo the sentiments of my marvellous colleague. And one of my favourite PJ Harvey tracks you've chosen to play us out this week. Yes, I'm delighted that you that you like this as much as I do. PJ Harvey's um sort of a rolling campaign of uh, self terror of re-releasing her albums with demos attached it continues apace and uh, we've reached white chalk which is one of her overlooked albums i think for me the whole album itself is it's quite a quiet album and i think as a result of which it it, it rather gets um rather gets forgotten about it's a, a great collection of songs and mood i think as well she she record she wrote and recorded most of it whilst caring for her dying grandmother and went back down to Dorset in order to do that. So it's a it's a very record that's rooted in her and her background. I think uh, she she adopted a very interesting Victorian garb whilst performing in this album, which kind of adds to the whole sort of slightly kind of um slightly sort of stern, severe kind of atmosphere, really. But it's it's a wonderful, wonderfully spooky record. It's quite good for autumn and winter times, I think. So characteristically, I've picked this as the days are getting longer, so it doesn't really fit fit with the vibe yeah, at all. Yeah. But it's a it's a lovely song. It's very um. It's very well contained, I think. She's quite good at these two and a half minute songs, which are just brilliant. I, I like to think of them as the Cloverfield of songs, the film Cloverfield, which was great for about, you know, 70 odd minutes. And then it just stopped because it because it because it'd been good and then it stopped and so i quite like songs that that don't outstay their welcome and this is uh this is very much one of them i think and i i, I think this is a overlooked record in her pantheon and one of her finer tracks as you say which which you know obviously we all know i like a lot of her songs but anyway i'm i'm very keen on this this is pj harvey and from the album white chalk this is when under ether the ceiling is moving
Listening to a Parish Council production.